Um, so thank you guys so much. I'm so excited to be here, beyond excited. Um, I used to come to Ganderbrook as a kid, not for camp per se, but the congregation that we worshiped in would come for a full um, like weekend. And so the teens would come a little early and then the older people would come and my parents would always be the, the people in charge of the teens. And so I haven't been here in a while, right? So my shirt is wrinkled. And I'm just telling you this for full disclosure because I'm a city girl. So I was like, do I have an iron? In the <laughs> Not your fault, my fault. Like I didn't think camp so <laughs> just roll with it. Like take this as God giving me grace because I feel horrible about it. But anyway, gotta confess. Those confess your sins one to another. So the topic that uh, we have today and tomorrow and for Saturday is hold fast. And so when we first got the call, Mom and I, about this topic, I was like, oh, I love this already. And then I started thinking about it, and I'm like, that's a big topic. <laughs> hold on, like, what are we holding fast to? And so I wanted to first, as the uh, really introductory speaker, lay the groundwork for what I hope my mom will talk about, what I hope Felicia will talk about. And I'm definitely a person of words. And so... Sister Doris made a comment to me. She's like, I can tell you're a teacher because your discussion questions had word studies on it. So that's how we're going to hop into it. I am absolutely that person. So when I thought about what does it mean to hold fast, right? I thought about the topic. I thought about the phrase. I prayed about it. And I think it really first starts with understanding what the words mean. Right? I think a lot of times we read scripture. And I know even in being a, a, a Bible school teacher, Certain things like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We all know it, right? But like, what does that mean exactly? We say it, right? And I think sometimes we believe it strongly enough to think we're doing it. But to really know, I think we have to be investigative. So first, if you have your booklet, right, this is, you should write this down. Because we're going to discuss after. <laughs> what does it mean to, um, to hold fast? So the first thing that I think all of us just really have to get a strong understanding of is the word hold. Now, you may have been put on hold, phone, may have put a relationship on hold, anybody? Um, I looked up the word hold, and it's a verb which means to grasp, carry, or support with one's arms or hands. So the word hold is a verb, and it means to grasp to carry or support with one's arm or hands. So cool, we got that, right? You hold a baby, makes sense. You, I hold my purse, makes sense. Fast, it's an adjective. Firmly fixed or attached. Firmly fixed or attached. So it seems like, okay, fine, Erica, I get it, right? Like these words are simple enough. But I think when we read the Bible, we know that we're working under the assumption that this is spiritual. So it's not just holding a laptop or holding yourself together or holding um, this microphone on my hip, hoping it doesn't fall off. We have to understand <laughs> that when the Bible is talking about holding fast, it's under some type of spiritual premise. And so I want us to go to Hebrews chapter 10, 23. And I think we're going to read this tons of times between now and Saturday. Hebrews... Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. And it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope 
without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. I'll read it again. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And so here to me, we have to first recognize that we're holding fast to something, right? We're not just holding in vain. We're not just hanging on like, okay, Jesus is on the main line. He has us on hold. We don't know when he's going to answer. We're holding fast to something. And that something is really the confession of our hope. And our hope comes from Jesus. And we sing the song, my hope is built on then Jesus' blood and righteousness. And I love that song because there's so many different things that people hope for. There's so many things that people wish for. But for us as women of God, what draws all of us into this space, not necessarily our age, not necessarily where we come from, not necessarily how much money we make, we're all holding to the same thing. And it blows my mind every time I think about the body of Christ that we can fly to Puerto Rico And there are women there who speak English, who speak Spanish, and they're holding fast. And that I can go to Trinidad without air conditioner, sweating so bad in that church, and they're holding fast. And that you can go to Bridgeport, Connecticut, largest city in Connecticut, and there are people worshiping and they're holding fast. And then I can come to camp with a wrinkled shirt and see so many beautiful women and they're holding fast. It's an amazing thing. So we're all holding the same exact thing. So I do want to do a little bit of context um, and, and jump back to read from 11 down to 25. And it says, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnessed to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days saying the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, which is really because, right, because of all those things, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest of the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another in so much more as you see the day approaching. And so to me, reading it in context makes it so much more exciting. We're doing this because Jesus made a sacrifice. So the confession of our hope is not really hoping for a good ladies' day, right? Like we're not just hoping that we have fun. We're not hoping that our teens in the church 
uh, have a great youth rally. Every foundational point of ministry in the churches of Christ is founded on this hope that by being sprinkled with the, the blood of Jesus, our evil conscience washed away, knowing we have remission of sin, we're hoping without wavering that he who promised is faithful. It makes me excited. And so there's a difference then between hoping and wishing. Because there's a lot of ladies right now on a Thursday night, especially ladies in my age bracket, that are wishing for something. (laughs) Wishing for a good time, wishing for a new pair of shoes. I don't know. Might be at Foxwood Casino, wishing to hit the, I don't know. So wishing and, and hoping are two different things. A wish is a strong desire for something that's not easily attainable or something that can or will probably not happen. But what I want to focus on today is being a woman of God who's holding on to a hope, the hope knowing that it is a full expectation for the desire that something for certain is going to happen. But what is the thing that's going to happen? I don't know. So I'm going to let the cat out the bag right now. I think all of us came here hoping that God would do something for us. Deep embedded in the hearts and minds of all women across the whole world, I truly believe that there's those nagging little things. And in your secret time, you, I, you say to yourself, I hope that God can move this mountain. Maybe your spouse doesn't know. Maybe the lady sitting next to you doesn't know. But we all believe that God Almighty truly does know the things that you long for. And so I want to break up this concept into three different buckets. Because the reason that we have hope in God is because, one, he's able to do it. Two, he's faithful. And three, he's the author and finisher of our faith. And so when I think of holding fast to God, I could not do it if I did not truly believe, first, that God is able. I can't do half of the things that I want to do, right? I go to the gym some days with my mom, without my mom, highly ambitious. I'm like, I got this. I've been doing this thing for a while now, which I have. It's not a lie, right? And some days I'm like, I'm going to do like... Like the other day, I'm like, I'm going to do 50 burpees. Why? (laughs) Right. Because I just feel like I should be able to do it. I hope that I can. But like by 30, I was like, yeah, no. (laughs) Like the way my thighs are set up, nah. So I can't do everything that I want to do, which is why we need to always be leaning on God. And it's a funny example, right? But there's other things more serious that you know deep in your heart You can't necessarily make the person in your life who's not a Christian become one, right? But we know that God is able. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. And I love this verse. And I'm big. When I teach my class, my my girls will tell you I force them to highlight things. So if this is not highlighted in your Bible and you write in your Bible, you should highlight it. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And the reason I say that is because I know that there are times in all of our lives where we'll need to have a verse at our fingertips. And sometimes you just, you will be surprised what you have highlighted and how it jumps out at you when you open your Bible in a time of need. That is the power of the Holy Spirit, right? So this is saying in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory. In the church, by Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to read it again. Now to him who is able, not to you, right? Because straight up, you're not able. I'm not able. 
to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. Look at the language. That's like my cup runneth over on steroids, right? According to the power above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory. Because when, when great things happen, I think sometimes we want the glory. I think sometimes we give our ministers the glory. I think sometimes we want to act like the elders did it. But who did that thing? God did that thing. That's why he gets the glory in the church by Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So one reason we hold fast is because God is truly able to do every single thing that we think of. Now, will he do it? That's a determination of God's sovereignty and his will. But we know that he's able to do it. We know in Hebrews chapter 10, 23, we just read, God is faithful. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible says, looking unto Jesus. Some translations like the NAS say, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so because God is authoring our faith, I'm a writer, I love words, I love language, and it's always interesting to me that the Bible says that God took his finger and he wrote on the tablet. And I love that the fifth word in the first verse in Genesis, in the beginning God created. And I love that Jesus took his hand and he wrote, right, in the dirt. Like God is a writer to like the max degree. And I don't know why that makes me excited. Maybe because I feel like there's just a little bit of him in this thing that I love. Probably like an artist who can close their eyes and still vividly see. And so when Jesus is authoring our faith, he's doing it differently. Your faith is authored, yes, by Jesus Christ, but also there's intimate things in your life that have happened that's not by chance. So you may have come here wondering, well, why am I going through this? Maybe you need to hold fast. And in that situation, God will get the glory after he's done exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond all that you thought. Every single person's path is completely different. So I want us to head over to Luke chapter 2, because there's a woman who I've been reading about and thinking about, and I think that she really exudes the concept of holding fast. And I think that unknowingly, right, the people who lived through the Bible didn't have the full-out text. And I think had they had it, some, maybe Peter would have denied two times and not three times. <laughs> Peter's my guy. I love Peter. Love, because Peter's me, right? Like, he talks too much. Anybody? Um, gets too excited. Me. Does things without really thinking. Me sometimes. Not all the time. Mom, sorry. So... <laughs> I like Peter. And sometimes I feel like when people talk about Peter, they don't realize he couldn't go to first and second Peter and see his own growth. <laughs> right? That's just like you and I. Like, if I could get to 2020, Erica, I'm pretty sure that the things I'm wrestling about right now will seem trivial. So Peter didn't know. If he had the full text, he would have made some different decisions. So thanks be to God, we have it. And we can do things that they couldn't do. So we're going to read a story about a woman who had no idea she would even be discussed right now by us as women. She didn't know that what she did was essentially holding fast. I think she did it in faith without the context and the definitions that we have and the, the definitions that we're thinking about. So let's start in uh, verse 22. It says, now when the days of her purification 
according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And so here, just for context, if you're a Bible student, you know this is the beginning of Luke. So who is the him? Jesus. Okay, just check. So Jesus, right? So this is baby Jesus. This is not adult Jesus. So Mary and Joseph, they have him as a child. The days of purification come from the concept that when a woman gives birth, she's unclean. And so I just want to say, this is not the lesson. This is just like a huge aside. I love that God gave this woman a couple days to get herself together, right? Like I don't have kids, but I've seen people who've gone through that process. And it's amazing to me like what it does to women, like how tired women are, you all know. And so, maybe some of you know. And so, I think it's amazing that it says when the days, like they were completed. And so it's after that, God gives her some grace. Then they head back to the temple. Why are they going there? They need to present Jesus to the Lord. And even in that, right? Like I know I read into things, but Jesus is Lord. And yet even in his birth, he's subjected to presenting himself to God. And I find that to be so amazing and yet also so baffling because in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And yet in this human and fleshly moment, Jesus does what all of us eventually do, which is like presenting himself to God the Father. Verse 23 says, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of two turtle, a, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Can you imagine every day what that guy was thinking? Maybe he's thinking like, I don't want to fall asleep. I don't want to miss him. (laughs) Maybe he's thinking like, I got to be on time, right? Like, I can't have this long lunch break. Anybody? Because I do that sometimes. Maybe he's thinking like, look, I can't really hang out with my friends. Think about if God told you that something was going to happen before you died. I'm telling you, every day I'd have massive anxiety. Because I'd be like, where's the Christ? Who, is this your kid? Can you lift his head real fast? Like, he had to be feeling excited. And I wonder if sometimes we miss that excitement when we read through scripture because we read through it so fast. These are people's lives. It's every single day. He's doing the thing he always does. Think of your day. You get up. Maybe you have coffee, maybe you get in the car, you head to work. But imagine like years of that and God saying, don't worry, before you die, you're going to see Jesus the Christ. And don't worry, he's going to save everybody. You go about your days a little differently. So this guy had to be excited. He's doing what he's always been doing. It says, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple And when the parents brought in the the child Jesus to do for him, according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people and light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. 
And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken to them. Because I also feel like maybe they didn't get it. Like, you just had the same, like, you know, they probably thought, oh, yeah, I get it. But then now there's so many people that are super excited. Then Simon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, the child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived, in a hun- had lived with a hundred seven years with her virginity, with a husband, sorry, seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And so nestled in between this story of Jesus coming into the temple, being presented to God, and this guy who's really devout and really just, getting his aha life moment, there was one. And I love that there was one woman and not a group of women. I know we're a group of women, but sometimes God's going to do one thing for one woman. And I love that this woman is not a perfect woman because if you are like me, you feel broken more than you feel whole. Many of us wake up every day, even with the blood of Jesus dripping off of us, feeling a little not put together. And this is a woman who clearly had suffering. She's had pain, frustration loneliness, discouragement. Maybe she's a woman, the Bible never mentions. I'm sure if she had children, they would have been taking care of her. So that's why I believe she didn't have any. So imagine all the women that are coming into the temple and have all these cute little kids. And here she is, 80 something years, fasting, praying. How lonely her life must have been. And yet we find her in the same place that we find Jesus, holding fast. Right, Because that's why we're here. We're thinking and talking about holding fast. And so first, I think it's interesting that the Bible um, makes a special note that she's from the tribe of Asher. So I did a little research on that because I didn't know what that meant. But I figured if God put it there, it was worth the Google. And the tribe of Asher, right? when we translate that out of Hebrew, means happy one. And so my mind, the way that it works, I'm thinking happy one, widow. Happy one, widow. Happy one, widow. And I don't think those two things go together in our natural minds, particularly as women, because I don't know if there's any widow who would say she's truly a happy one. My next lesson will talk a little bit about Naomi and Ruth. And if you know anything about that story, Naomi was so devastated, she changed her name. She was like, I am going through it. Like, don't even call me what you used to call me. Like, I am forsaken. You know, imagine if, like, one day I'm Erica and then the next day I'm, like, Gertrude or something. Like, I don't It would just be a little weird. Like, it would be weird. But she was that unhappy. And I think that a lot of times those of us who understand the power of death, we truly are no longer who we used to be. We become a, a different, a shadowed version almost of ourselves. Yes, we're there, just not in the same way. And so it's interesting that the Bible made that that small distinction. The other thing that I think is is really interesting is that 
This woman was married seven years. And so for any of the women in the audience who, like me, don't have a husband, can you put yourself there for a second? Think about all the prayers you've petitioned, potentially, for a husband. Full transparency, I've petitioned many, right? And I think God's doing a thing. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe on me more than the potential husband. I don't know. <laughs> I'll let you know next year. <laughs> Seven years, right? She has a husband. Think about how quick seven years goes by. Now that I'm not a teenager, I really truly feel like time is like, it's really swift transition. I'm like, oh my gosh, I plucked a gray hair recently. You know, like I forget things. I'm like, mom, get, like we need, we all need vitamins in the house because like something is going on. Seven years goes by really, really fast. So one minute you're a newlywed, the next minute you're a widow then the rest of your life, you don't have a person, right? And I think sometimes this is not to, as young people say, shade, right? We're like, this is not any shade to married people. But I think sometimes married people forget, like, partnership is truly a blessing. And we take it for granted, those of us who are married, because it's just maybe 20 years you've been doing that thing. And you look at that guy and you're like, hey, you're still here. You know, and then he's looking back at you. He's like, yeah, girl, not going anywhere. You know, takes me to Jesus. So you, you, you forget what loneliness can feel like. Like I put air in my tire the other day and that was a struggle because I had heels on and I was sweating. And I called my dad and I'm like, why didn't you put air in my tire like I asked you to do it? And he's like you're putting air in it now, like it doesn't matter. I'm like, oh, it matters. <laughs> it matters. <laughs> He's gonna laugh when he listens to this. But it's true, and if I had a husband, what would I have done? Exactly, I would have been like, you take that car, I'll take your car. So when you're single, <laughs> you gotta think for one, it's exhausting. I gotta feed me, I have to cook for myself, I have to get the girl. I'm tired, right? So imagine how her life changed from thinking of herself and someone else to now going back to thinking of only herself, especially in a society where being married was everything. Nowadays, it's different. There's some people like Oprah. I mean, she's got billions of dollars. She's like, I don't need to, I don't know what I have to marry him for. You know, back then, being married was how you established yourself. And so she has this short span, and I wonder if, when we think about this, would we be women who would still be found holding fast if our hearts were that broken? Really ask yourself that question, because I've experienced, today is actually the 10-year anniversary of one of my closest friends being murdered. And when I thought about that, I'm like, I can't believe what God can do when you actually let him fill the gaps. Right? But it doesn't make being here, when I'm thinking about that in the back of my mind, any easier. Right? So this is someone who literally had to learn to hold fast and to press on. And maybe there's some of us in here today that actually understand what that feels like. Maybe there's some of us that are struggling. We've lost things. Maybe it's not a person. Maybe it's income. Maybe it's a job promotion. You thought you were going to get it. You didn't get it. And now you don't really know what your identity is. You can see the prayer wall there and maybe take that to God, right? Because identity is a huge deal for most of us. Are we found holding fast to God despite our circumstance? It's individual. Only you can know the answer to that. 
The other thing about Anna that I actually find very, very interesting is that she legit never left the temple. And I think, again, when we read this little bit, it goes fast. She has become the epitome of the temple, I feel. Like, she has engrafted herself in this space. And it was customary for there to be space for some widows. But let's imagine, like, your church home. Like, our church, we don't have a building. It's an inner city work. Um, it's a great work, but it's hard, right? Anytime you're, you're doing work with, with people who have high levels of need, it's just a little difficult. But our church, we worship in a hotel. And so sometimes on Wednesday night when, like, my parents are talking a lot, I'm like, guys, get a room upstairs, right? Like, I'll take the car. I'll go home. You can just stay at the hotel. That's not really what this was, though. And even in your church, like, would you stay at your church indefinitely, would you say to your spouse, you know what, like, we're paying mortgage, but kind of took it to God in prayer. And I'm like, maybe we can just stay on the pews, right? There's so many of them. And we got some kids, so we'll just put them in the cry room. And um, I'll cook potluck, like, early on Saturday and, like, fellowship with everybody. We wouldn't do that. Some of us, when we're struggling in life, getting to the facility or the building is difficult enough, right? This is someone who took her pain and almost reversed the outcome. So she's like, I'm devastated, but I'm going to stay in the temple, which really to me is an indication of staying in the presence of God. That's truly holding fast, right? So when we look back at what the words mean, it's not necessarily about holding your Bible with you everywhere you go. Because the Holy Spirit's inside of you, and we know the Holy Spirit is a reminder of all the things we've learned. But it's about constantly presenting yourself in the presence of God, in prayer, meditation, right, in singing. Sometimes when I'm driving down the road, I'm telling you, people must think I'm crazy. Because some days it's Beyonce, other days, like the other day it was Michael Jackson, and I was like getting it in the car, and I turned like this, and I was like, because the guy was like, there's no one in there with you. Why are you acting like that? That's how our spirits need to be in the presence of God. Like truly excited and truly, truly being transformed by the experience. So this is a woman who never left home. And mom, you alluded to me living at home, but we're working on it, right? I'm not going to stay there. The other thing that's really, really interesting um, about Anna is that the Bible says she was serving God with fasting and prayer night and day. Again, this has now become a huge part of her life. How many of us truly struggle with fasting? Not going to lie, sometimes I do, because my dad has great ideas, and he'll be like, hey, church in Bridgeport, um, we should fast, and he'll pick like crazy long hours, and I'm like, no, I can't, because this is literally how my mind works. I'm like, okay, so we can't go to the gym. Like, God forbid I fall out, like, on the treadmill. And then I'm thinking of, like, how much food consumes my life. I don't know about you, but, like, I schedule the way that I eat. Or maybe you have a meeting, and you're like, oh, we'll meet and have wings. and Right? So sometimes I struggle, not going to lie. I don't think all of us have conquered fasting. I just may be the only person that's honest enough to say, yeah, I struggle with not eating food, right? 
Some of us may struggle with prayer. Some of us say, you know what, I'm going to pray every night. And then you get in that bed, and then it's the morning. (laughs) And you may have said, dear God, (laughs) think, right? Maybe you drift off when you're praying. Maybe you're fully awake. Maybe you're in the bathroom when you pray. Maybe you're in the car. And you really, truly find yourself thinking about something completely different. I look at Anna as a woman who has conquered so much in her life by losing something. And sometimes we hold fast to things more than we hold fast to God, so God removes that thing so you can hold fast to him. And many of us have been there. Many of us have loved things almost as much as we've loved God, and we would never say that, hey, I practice idolatry. Who's going to say that? But God knows when your heart is divided. And so what he's always doing is fighting for the affection because the Bible says he's jealous. And this is the thing that's really scary because everyone knows that a jealous boyfriend is not a good thing, right? God is jealous. So he may sit around in heaven and say, "Mm, we got to shift some things around because what we forget is that God wants your soul more than he wants you to have stuff. Right? God wants your soul more than he wants you to have stuff. And so sometimes I think of one of my favorite poems, and it's called, it's by Elizabeth um, Bishop, and it's The Art of Losing. And she says, the art of losing isn't hard to master. And every time I read that, I'm like, how did she know? Right? Like, you can lose something so easily. And I think many of us have lost things, people, wallets, credit cards. I lost my license recently. I still don't, I think the devil did it. Like, I don't know where it went. Right? You lose things so easy. And I think many times losing things pushes us into the presence of God. But many times we don't really want to go there. We're not like Anna where we say, you know what? I'm just going to put my chair here and I'm going to pray this thing. I'm going to fast this thing. I'm going to memorize scripture. I'm going to meet some amazing women. I'm going to make sure they pray for me. I'm going to make sure they encourage me. We don't really want to do that because many of us as women have intimacy issues and we don't want to say that. We don't want to tell people in our church that, you know what? I had a mom who didn't really love me. So like, I don't like to be close. Or maybe somebody uh, harmed us as a kid and and we struggle with loving or being vulnerable. We really don't want to say that. So instead of entering the presence of the the body or even entering the presence of God, when the church is here, we're like, and then we go all the way off. And what a perfect analogy is like we head that way into darkness. And I look at Anna and I say, this is a woman who did the opposite She held fast even when it wasn't easy. And I think if we were honest with ourselves, it's not easy for any of us, but we have to keep trying. You have to keep holding, right? It's like being on a pull-up bar, and suddenly, after maybe two seconds, you realize how heavy you are. (laughs) Real-life story yet again. So, like, I'm holding this thing, and my trainer's like, keep holding. And I'm like, I can't. I'm heavy. I feel heavy. And he goes, don't think about it. (laughs) Of course I'm going to think about it. So I'm trying to hold myself up because we're practicing for me to pull myself up. And in that moment, I realized that was God trying to help me with this lesson 
Because how many of us, when we're holding, we forget that it's preparation for the next time we really have to flex that spiritual muscle. So that's why we need to be in the presence of God and working on it instead of running away. Because when you run in the opposite direction, you miss your training. But see, Anna was equipped, which is why in the end of this, she saw the redemption. She saw the salvation. She saw the one that we're longing to see. She readied herself for it. And the Bible says, in that instance, in verse 38, she gave thanks. Because all the years that she spent, lonely, feeling forsaken, holding on to some type of belief that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond, in an instance, she probably like turned her head, like most women, right? Dramatic. <laughs> She's like, is that Mary girl? Because I'm sure like people knew Mary was having a kid, right? That wasn't a secret. What? And then it's now a huge thing because what she was praying for, who she was praying to, had manifest right there in front of her face. And I think that that's crazy. I think that it's crazy for many reasons, mainly because you never know when you're holding what you're holding for. So you may say to yourself, you know what? I've been asking God sorry, for a long time for whatever it is. And I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm asking and I'm asking and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. Nothing is happening. But like she did this for 80 something years. And sometimes when I'm asking God for things and I've asked him for a really, really long time and I get frustrated. I think of that verse where it's like, have you bled for the cause of Christ yet? And I'm like, like, was I pierced? Mm-mm. Was I afflicted? I think so, but, like, not really. <laughs> right? We think everything is affliction. <laughs> and I think sometimes God is like, get it together. <laughs> like, it's not always the devil. You, too, have a choice about what you're doing. Right? We just sometimes, we, we think things are bigger than what they are, but imagine 80-something years of waiting for something to happen in your life. And really never knowing what that thing would be. And yet, when she held on just long enough, something amazing happened. Because God is able. And that's why I titled the lesson that. Because I want us to always remember that our holding fast is tied to something. It's tied to hope, but we can only hope if we hope in him. Because anything outside of Jesus isn't really a hope, it's a wish. And we know that wishes don't always come true. Right? And if we were just wishing for a savior, there'd probably be a couple of women here and not a large group of women. Because I came because I have a hope in Jesus. Because I know that that hope is truly what's going to get me to heaven. Beyond the wrinkled shirt, beyond my fingers being cold right now, beyond my greatest fears, beyond my anxiety, beyond my inability to be perfect. My hope is getting me somewhere. And I really believe in my heart that Anna knew that and she believed that. And she believed it so much that her life changed because God recognized that she was just as serious about him as he had always been about her. Let's turn quickly to Luke chapter 8. And we're going to meet another lady. Oh, my timer went off. Oh, no, it didn't. Okay. So Luke chapter 8, this is another woman who I'm equally as um, obsessed with. 
because she reminds me uh, a little bit of myself. And here's why. This woman who had an issue with blood has probably the most determination in the Bible outside of maybe like a Hannah. Because I think Hannah was just like, I'm going to pray this thing so bad, people are going to think I'm drunk and crazy. And like, I'm cool with that. And I love her for that. I really do. Many of us are too worried about what people think about our worship that we can't worship. And Anna was like, Hannah's like, I don't care. Like, I'm taking this to God. So she had her own level of determination. What I love about this woman is that her determination led her to the feet of Jesus. And so when we talk about holding fast, it may take us in places we never actually thought we'd be. Let's start in verse 42 of Luke chapter 8. But as he, being Jesus, went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment. And immediately, just like Anna, immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, who touched me? See, that's Peter again, talking too much. Getting a little, as my mom would say, slick at the mouth. But Jesus said, somebody touched me. How many of us have been in a like, look, you may think I'm being dramatic. Something happened here. Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now, when the woman saw that she was not hiding, when she saw that she was not hidden, she became trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And so this determination. Right. This is a woman whose back is up against the wall. She has no other option. Twelve years. Again, I think there's something with holding fast in time. These are women who had a long time to hold. This is not waiting for the credit card people. And you're like, I'm going to hold for three minutes. Because right? I get impatient after like one minute. I'm like, y'all don't have workers who can pick this call. These are years and years and years of waiting. Years and years of discomfort, years and years of pain. Maybe you have an affliction today and you're on your 12th month. Think of somebody bleeding out. We're all women here. Think of bleeding out for 12 years. The exhaustion. I don't know what their blood transfusion system was like, but I don't think they were doing it really. Right? This is a woman who, you say nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's what drew her there. She needed a desperate change. Right. And so it leads her to the border of his garment. So she's a great example of holding fast physically and holding fast spiritually, because I picture this woman so desperate. She's like, I just have to get the tip of that thing. Sometimes you just need a. I just have to get that one prayer. There may be times where I just need one prayer request card. I don't, need, I don't need to pray for five hours. I just need one small moment. I just need one chorus of that song, so I'm going to church today. Many of us enter the worship on a thread, and we don't want to be honest because we smile our way through it. How are you? Good. Yeah, praise God. Yep, I had a great, it was so good. And you know it wasn't. 
I'm young, but I've been through some things. And there's been times where even for me, I've had to get myself mentally at the hem of Jesus's garment because I'm like, I, my parents, they, they can't do it. They're not able, right? My friends, they're not able. Look in the bank account, mm-mm, it's not able, right? Like I need a miracle to get through this circumstance. So this is a woman who had so much determination. She held fast to her faith. How do we know? Because Jesus says in verse 48 that her faith made her well. So faith looks different sometimes when we put it into practice because we know faith plus works, right? So her work was the hem of the garment, but she believed that despite all the people around Jesus, she was going to be the one to get to him. And I wonder if in this weekend, when we think of holding fast, you can commit yourself to being that kind of woman. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the Bible says. So it's not about the lady next to you. We love one another, right? But I think too many times in the body of Christ, we're looking at each other. And we're like, if she goes, I'll go. We'll go together. No, like we do that for the ladies retreat, maybe because we're carpooling. But when it comes to your faith, whether she goes or not, you need to go. Whether she comes to worship or not, you need to go. Whether she wants a Bible class or not, you need to go. Why? Because you're trying to get into the presence of God Almighty. Why? You got to hold fast because he's able. Right? If, if we are not holding on to God, we're holding on to each other. And what happens ultimately, and I know this happens to a lot of young people, when that person's faith is not right, your faith isn't right. Think of how many times I remember going to camp with so many kids and I see them on Facebook now and I'm like, what are you doing though? See, because when it's not right with one person in the group, then it may not be right with another person in the group. And then you have mass fall away, almost like in, in, in the beginning, right? When, when the devil was like, oh, I'm going to revolt against God. And then tons of angels wanted to do it. Or maybe it's like when Aaron was like, okay, cool, like, let's make a calf. And then like everybody was partying, right? It only takes one moment. So we can't focus on people because everyone won't get it right. We have to focus on Jesus. And these are two women whose eyes were so fixed on God, they were holding so fast to him that in an instant, their life changed. And so I love that before I came up to speak, we were reading prayers of women in this space because in an instant, somebody's life can change. But you have to believe that. I can't sell it to you. There's nothing magical underneath here where I can like throw it on you. I wish. But see, faith isn't faith if it was just a little Harry Potter Houdini show. Right? Like, Jesus didn't come for that. So you have to believe that by holding fast, there's an outcome to your faith. And Peter called that outcome the salvation for your soul. And that's truly why we're, we're here today. I hope that as we move forward in, in the week, the weekend, that you think about God truly being able to change your life. I know that in many instances um, in our local congregations, but I think even collectively, we sometimes miss the opportunity to give a testimony of what God has done for us. So I encourage you, as we even get into the discussion portion, think of something that God has done for you this year that you can share with somebody. Because you would be surprised how encouraging that story is to someone who's struggling. There are times when my mom and I, like what my dad doesn't know, is like in our girl time, we always talk about like, crazy things, girly things, but it always comes back to what God has done because we're the walking cloud of witnesses. We're the Hebrews chapter 11, 
right? And so if you've had something amazing happen in your life, go tell someone. Because Hannah, it says, she spoke of him to all of those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Because she's like, this thing is so good, like I got to tell you, right? Like I can't even wait. And I think too many times we do hide it under a bushel and we say, "Mm, maybe that lady at my job doesn't really care. Maybe she doesn't care because she doesn't know. She doesn't know that that good thing that happened to you is because you held fast. Not to your own strength, but to the strength of God, the power of God, the blood of Jesus, and the hope for eternity. People need to know that. And I think many of us in this room need to know that because some of us came here tired. I'm physically tired. But spiritually, I'm encouraged. And we can be more encouraged if we really helped one another in this road by saying, God did this for me. And if he's able to do it for me, he can do it for you. He can do it for you in an instant. But you got to be paying attention, right? Because, see, the, the women in the scripture, they were eager. They were alert. In order to touch somebody that close, I have to know where you are. So you can't be out there with a the flashlight. Like, I think God was over here last time I checked. We need to be alert to what God is doing in our lives, and we need to make other people alert. And when you see people spiritually dozing off, nudge them. And remind them that God is able to do it and he's going to do it, but they need to be awake and alert and ready for when he does do it so he can get all glory, honor, and praise. Thank you so much. Thank you.